What is going on, everyone? Welcome to the Ubuntu Nutrition Podcast. Today, I have Connor O'Neill on the line, who is a performance nutritionist who works in a private capacity with GAA athletes at all different levels. I know I've had some GAA guys on the line before. However, today we talk specifically all things body composition improvement, as well as navigating the COVID-19 lockdown for athletes. It's a very, very interesting conversation. So sit back, relax, and listen up. Okay, I'm here with Connor of Know Yourself Performance, the rebranded Know Yourself Nutrition. Am I right right in saying that? Yeah. So thanks very much for coming aboard. And would you just tell us a small bit about yourself, Connor? Yeah, well, I suppose in, in the context of um, you know the performance and nutrition realm, would have started out at an early age playing plenty of different sports. Um, sort of given where I grew up and stuff, um, edge towards GA and Gaelic football, and would have played up through all ages and um, senior level and to the point where uh, I would have played with my club Cross McGann Rangers uh, at a high level where we would have been, you know, winning championships and everything else. So I think from that experience of growing up in that, in that way, uh, it led me down the, the path of looking at what else could influence performance outside of just your usual training in terms of skills and stuff like that. So I think at one stage, I reached out to one of the senior players in the team and he sort of took me under his wing and took me to the gym a couple of times. And that sort of put me down that route of you know looking at those sort of areas for performance improvements and then nutrition was a natural progression from that as well and I think then from putting those things into place myself it developed into um, wanting to sort of help other people with that and using what I've learned what I'd learned to um, help other guys who who were in similar positions so that leaves me then now to uh, where I am now in terms of working with guys who are in that position looking to improve how they basically look think and perform so stuff stuff and you said there earlier just off air that instead of kind of business dwindling down you've seen kind of just like an uptick right in people in athletes coming to you because it's a it's a perfect time maybe they've always been in season yeah yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of guys uh, would have put off in previous years, maybe dropping that bit of extra body fat because they were afraid maybe of um, it impacting their performance in the middle of championship or maybe holding back a little bit from focusing on muscle gain, for example, because they knew that, you know, there's going to be a few extra sessions needed in the gym and maybe that would have affect their ability to recover for training sessions and stuff. So a lot of people, what I've been finding is they've been coming and saying, look, and we know that probably lockdown is not going to um, last forever, but we know that it's probably going to be for a significant amount of time, whether that was them saying that, you know, month, six months ago, or even a lot of guys now are taking the same attitude and using that time then effectively to sort of delve into those goals a little bit more when they're away from training so that they can use this time effectively. And yeah, I've seen I've seen quite a few people taking that attitude and, you know, it leaves them then in a position that whenever they do return to training or sport or whatever um, aspect of normal life that, that they want to sort of improve, it means they're going into that with having made the most of this time and really um, being happy with, with the results that they've gotten from it. So, yeah, I think it's been a good time for a lot of people who've, who've take, taken action on it and um, obviously it's been sort of strange times for everyone and uh, a lot of um, maybe ups and downs. And I think having that bit of a focus has also helped people a lot mm. with um, the mental side of things and sort of making the most of the time uh, away from normal life as such. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of just kind of takes their mind off when they have a goal down the road, you know, to keep them through, like to keep them pushing through this COVID lockdown. It'll take their mind off the kind of monotony of it, I suppose. I think so. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, the one thing about uh, the whole lockdown thing is that it takes away probably, obviously, a lot of our normal life. and But more than that, areas where we would have previously been getting a bit of positive feedback and getting a bit of progress and, you know, the, the good feeling associated with that. You know, if work, for most people, work isn't the same way that you're not in a position where work is really pushing you to, you know, get another promotion or move to another team or even, you know, there's probably very few people who are quitting their job to go and find a new one. And, you know, there's no progress in that area and other areas like that. But if 
a lot, you know, if you can find an area where you're progressing in, I think it always helps in any scenario, especially now when, when maybe those things have been taken away. Sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. Um, you mentioned there just kind of, it's a perfect time, I suppose, when there's not competition on to look at your body composition and make some changes. And I, am I right in saying that that would be a lot of your, do you know, the people you yeah. work with is change in body composition? Yeah. For, I, I, yeah. Like, I think starting out, it would have been probably more of a performance strictly uh, would have been my focus. But I think over the over space time, like I've just the more people I've worked with, the more I've realized that like body composition is quite important to people, whether it's from a, uh, the perspective of just wanting to look better or or the actual performance uh, enhancements, enhancing effects that it can have, you know. So, uh, yeah, the way I've sort of put it as a tagline as such is like I just I, I help people look think and perform better so it covers all those sort of areas um and yeah body composition and performance are intertwined um mm. but also just you know that I think it's it was nearly uh it can be sometimes a bit of a taboo thing to say like I want to look better you know especially for guys who are who are involved in like high level sport where you know, you're supposed to say, uh, oh, I just want to perform better. But no, it doesn't matter what he looked like. It's just, uh, I want to win the games, whatever. But deep down underlying, everyone wants to be getting the most out of their gym work and nutrition. And one of those aspects is body composition. So, yeah. 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 Oh, sure. That's the main reason I lift or train. It's like, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be honest. I want to look better. Of course. There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that at all. Not at all. Um, on that, real quick. When, when an athlete comes to you and now, and for some athletes who are playing multi-club, they might be playing with a university. I know it doesn't, this question doesn't really apply now because of all the lockdowns, but it doesn't seem like they're ever out, out or off season. You know, like yeah. I've had, I had a roommate who he played county for a while. He played with the university team and he played club back home. And, you know, he always wanted to kind of adopt a diet where he'd work on his body composition, but he never could really because he yeah. always needed nutrition directed towards performance on the pitch and would you just be able to like describe why or dive into why like it's hard to fuel optimal performance and to maybe cut down a bit of body fat yeah so uh, a lot of it comes down to just the energy provisions that you're giving to the body in terms of calories which would be the way most people would sort of have a common uh, conception of of energy levels um so the amount of calories that you're putting into your body and the amount of calories that are being used by your body, there's going to be a fine balance there. And when you're looking to drop body fat, for example, you're going to have to be consuming slightly less than you are uh, expending. And for optimal performance, you're probably going to want to be more of a balanced approach or even in a slight surplus of, of calories. So that's the fine balance that sort of needs to be met. Now, there's also a little bit of a trade-off with that because for someone who has to drop body or who who's say excess body fat, um, there are performance enhancing effects of them simply losing that body fat. So by, it's a, sort of a, a fine line for someone to, to draw because um, if they're losing body fat, they're going to see some performance enhancing effects, but also if they're in an energy deficit, they might see some performance, performance detriment um, from that. So it's a fine line uh, to walk between the two. Um, and that's kind of what dialing in a little bit more accuracy can allow you to um, balance a little bit better. And that's specifically in terms of the, the calorie balance, uh, getting in the right amount of calories to sort of hit that fine line, but also in terms of the macronutrient breakdown of that and ensuring that you are having adequate fuel um, requirements or fuel sort of, um, inputs in terms of carbohydrate and looking at how we can manipulate that around say training days match days and stuff like mm -hmm. that and more generally just having having sufficient carbs in there even in an energy deficit state so it, sort of uh, your question was alluding why is it difficult and the difficulty is because in order to drop body fat you want to be in an energy deficit and in order to perform optimally you probably want to be in some sort of maintenance or surplus um, so that's that's why it's difficult yeah 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 that's what i said i just kind of with some of the athletes i work with i would just like you say we need we need some fat or weight loss there um fat loss primarily mm -hmm. it's, it's getting them to understand that it's not going to be 
it's not going to be at, at the same rate as your friend who's not a footballer. We're going to do it, but we're going to do it nice and slowly, and it's going to be very accurate. Maybe a 200-calorie deficit on non-pitch training days yeah. you know, and then maintenance on the pitch training days. And it'll be slow, but you'll get there, and you yeah. won't suffer on the pitch. Exactly. Uh, that's it. It's going to be a slower approach for most people, um, as you mentioned, because of that bit more of an energy demand. Um, but I think there's probably the incentive there to, to, to put it out over the longer haul as well, because if you're playing all year for, as you mentioned, you know, if you're never really getting in an off season, there's no real end goal to, to when you need to lose mm-hmm. the fat four. It's going to be a consistent approach. It's going to be a consistent. Um, you're already in the frame of mind that, that, your plan and your season say over a period of a full year anyway so i think with the, with the likes of ga players you can afford to do that a little bit more because there's no the usual i think general population sort of general population uh cons, concept around fat loss is the 12-week plan or the the eight-week shred or you know there's a lot of those messages whereas i think someone involved in sport the concept of uh, diet and training and everything is, is very much different. It's more of there is the performance element that they really want to have um, included in any plan like that. So they're maybe willing to trade off that a little bit more. Mm, yeah, I think. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, cool, cool. All right. So now I suppose a very topical question is some of the athletes that are coming on board with you now. Um, I know I'm working with a couple of teams at the moment and most of my advice is just navigating your home environment, working from home. You're not training as much. So we're going to tap, like bring down your energy intake, but we're still going to optimize, you know, protein, whole grain carbohydrates, things like that. But what are some things that, and it doesn't have to be like nutrient specific, but challenges that your clients might be facing now in lockdown? Well, I think the big one, especially from the training point of view, is is having less access to gyms mm. um, and training facilities into even just like pitches and uh, teammates to be training with and stuff like that. I think that's the biggest thing um, in terms of training. Nutrition, like there's not that big of a hindrance for most people around nutrition because they're actually at home more often. Um, so they can actually have more access to uh, cooking equipment and, you know, be actually able to have a bit more time maybe to prep meals and stuff so from a nutrition point of view there doesn't seem to be as big of like problems as a result of lockdowns and that um, outside of maybe the odd person who would be you know maybe a busy professional who's used to getting a lot of uh, meals out and, and lunches out and stuff like that mm. um, but I think that the training point the from the training point of view I think it's going back going back to the actual principles around what you're trying to achieve so whether that's like muscle gain or strength gain of some uh, description when you don't have the same tools going back to the principles of of that can be very useful even just looking at well well what are we trying to do when we're training even in the gym trying to exert some sort of a stimulus on the muscle to see an adaptation so rather than thinking of it just being right i need to do bench press to work my chest it's thinking well what does that muscle actually do and how does that muscle contract and therefore what other stimulus can i place on that muscle to get the same response so if you can go back to that principles approach you can actually then see well maybe if i had a band i could do the same movement as my arm is doing on a bench press and therefore get a similar response so you can start to be a little bit more resourceful with that um so that's what basically i've been working with is like what equipment do people have available to them? And I've actually been surprised at the amount of people that have some sort of a home gym set up. Like I've seen, I see yours behind you there. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have the same, I just beside me here in the office. So it's kind of, everyone's been trying to get together the old, uh, the old sets that have been laying around in the garage or. Sure, everyone's uh, sold out in Ireland, isn't, aren't yeah, they? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Trying to source a bit of equipment from the, the local uh, club gym or something like that. So I've been surprised at the amount of people that actually have been able to get their hands on some form of equipment yeah so the more equipment that we have obviously the more options we have with it but a lot there's been guys a lot of guys like basically just working off a pull-up bar and maybe like a couple of old dumbbells that they had in the house and it's been interesting for me trying to create the programs around that but it's been at the same time haven't seen the guys that have really applied themselves to it i haven't seen them 
you know, get any lesser results than someone who had access to a full gym. So it's kind of, it, and it's good, cool for guys to, to get that bit of a, an education as well that they don't necessarily need to always have access to the gym because even going forward, it gives you more options as to what you need to, or what, what you can do with just being at home, you know? So it's been cool in that way. Yeah. yeah like that's, that's a good point that you don't need to be in the gym benching hundred kg to exert a stimulus on the muscle. So exactly. yeah, yeah. You need, you need any bit of like hypertrophy training. Yeah. Here with I a mean, higher protein intake. Like, yeah. what, like for guys who like, I think it's very easy to turn your nose up at the likes of the humble uh, press up. But when you've really went into press up, uh, like a program developed around press ups and, you know, have ha- that have not heavily in your program and implementing different tempos and pauses and stuff like that, like uh, the bench press is a great movement, like, or the, the push up, you know, when you've your pull ups and it, there's so many movements that you wouldn't, that you might associate with being, you know, oh, well, I can't build muscle that way or I can't build strength that way. But, you know, there's, there's something to be said for those body movements as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And just do more like sets of them, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of working the muscle and tiring it out. For sure. Exactly. For sure. Okay. Very interesting. So, yeah, the training is definitely a big one as well for me. And um, one thing that I'm coming up on with a lot is sleep. And, yeah. you know, a lot of athletes would have suffered with sleep anyway. Um, especially with GA training late at night and yeah. they're coming home at like 10 o'clock. Some have to travel. It's 11 and then they're meant to get into bed and get a really high quality sleep. It's just, it's, it's not an optimal setup for sleeping perfectly. So Definitely. what are some kind of, I don't know, I have seen you post a couple of times about it. Mm-hmm. Um, have you encountered this and then what kind of tips do you give for it? Yeah, uh, I 100% agree with that the schedule of, of training with GA, which is natural enough because guys are working full-time jobs and everything that yeah. training sort of have to be in the evenings. But particularly to this time, what, what I'm noticing is the, the schedule is thrown off completely in, ter- in terms of people's daily lives. So that can lead to like, you know yourself and you, you, you've probably all fallen into the trap at some stage of staying up too late watching Netflix and you know, not getting out of bed, you know, early in the morning when we maybe wanted to. And it's very easy to get into that bad habit, especially when maybe you're working from home so you can afford to get up quarter to nine if work starting at nine as opposed to nearly getting up uh, an hour or so earlier than you when you would have usually. And uh, that can lead to bad sleep habits as well. And so one of the one of the guys actually I was dealing with this week, he was, uh, he was in that situation and one of the tasks that had set him for this week was right, I want you to pick a time that you're going to get up at every morning. I don't really care what time it is, but you're going to get up at that time every morning. So okay. he had this, he sent me back said, right, I'm going to, it'll be a challenge, but I'm going to be up at 9 30 AM every morning because he was usually sleeping in till 10, 11, 12. And he managed to do it every day this week. So just by doing that, it also meant that he was eating breakfast at the same time every morning. So he's getting into that good habit. It meant that, well, if I'm getting up at half nine, I have to be in bed for whatever time. So he's starting to develop those habits as well. So I think that's more specific to maybe to this time where there's a bit of more flexibility in the, in the daily structure. Um, but yeah, in terms of, of overall sleep, looking at the basics, which I sort of break down a few things, which would be like have a caffeine cutoff time, for example. Um, caffeine has like a half life of like five hours or something around red five hours, which just generally means like, after five hours, half it will be out of your system. So you still have half it in your system. Uh, so if you're drinking coffee in the evenings, like you're likely to be affecting your sleep negatively. And it's different for each person. Some people get it out of the system quicker. Some others, others don't. And some doesn't affect And There's individual differences there, but caffeine is a big one that once a lot, a lot of guys sort out, uh, can help their sleep. Um, as well as that setting up the conditions for, good sleep which would be generally obviously having your room dark having your room quite cool not not overly warm and um having it what was a cool cool dark and the other one i had i literally just posted an, uh, an instagram quiet. post of this quiet quiet yes <laughs> uh cool dark and quiet um and yeah having those conditions set up just for a good a good general sleep um sleep environment and get that again as i sort of mentioned getting into the to the habit of having a consistent sleep and wake time um as much as possible 
Um, and yeah, I think those are pretty, pretty standard things for people to, to look at. But again, implementing them is the, is the key there as, as, yeah. as easy as the sound. Um, those are things that you really have to work on to get them right if you're not already doing them naturally. Yeah, no, they're good stuff. That's pretty much the stuff I say as well. Um, the sleep cycle or the, the, the regularity, right? The, the yeah. Coming up with a consistent schedule is so important as well for people to understand that it's, it's not just something we're saying. It's like your body works on a, a cycle, you know? Mm-hmm. You're gonna, and if you get into a regular sleep pattern where you're going to bed at the same time, your body's it's going to become accustomed to that and you're going to feel that onset of tiredness. Yeah. Once you've established that routine, you're going to feel that onset, you know, melatonin's peaking at the yeah. same time. And once you stick to that, you'll be fine. Um, and the habit, the habits it sets up as well, I suppose is another thing. Like if you exactly. know that every night you're going to bed at 10 30, you're going to naturally start having to do the habits to get you there as well. So, uh, yeah, I think having those, having that, that mindset of, of having a steady, bedtime also sets up those those good things in place for sure for sure um i know i've said this a few times on this podcast but um the other thing i wanted to say about your three tips there for dark cold and quiet Mm. and i'm sure screens were in there as well but yes getting to sleep and getting to sleep and having a great sleep are two very different things so when people, some of the footballers, not just footballers, but people I'll work with, they'll be like, ah, caffeine's not an issue for me. I can literally have a cup of coffee and then go to bed and fall asleep in two minutes. And I'm like, yeah, but are you waking up fit? Because your body, like there's, stud- there's so many studies to show that if, if you're, even if you're able to sleep, you're not progressing into the, you know, the sleep cycle, the, the yeah. deep stages of sleep, the restorative stages. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, that's just something that I've, that I've encountered, but, uh, setting up that environment. And like, for me, I have the right over there. I have uh, ear earbuds mm-hmm. and I don't necessarily have a huge amount of noise. There's like a road outside my house here for my apartment. And I have no trouble with noise falling to sleep, but I find the nights when I put them in, I wake up. Like I was like, Jesus, I was, I was out for the count there last night. I feel fantastic. And that's because these noises aren't like when you're sleeping, they're not, you know, activating you even when yeah. you're asleep. So yeah, sorry. 100%, yeah. You can see it when you, if you ever use any of the, the fitness watches or anything like that and track it, you can see it. Like you yeah. definitely can. Yeah, for sure. There's also an app on the phone. I can't remember what it is. My buddy uses it. It's, uh, I don't know how accurate it is. I can't imagine it's too accurate, but it basically listens to your breath and the, mm. the patterns of your, your exhalations to see kind of like how active you are. Yeah, I think there's one... I used to, I used to, before there was even like any of the, the proper smartwatches or stuff. I remember being a phone app, but you used to have to put it on, like basically put it under your pillow and it would sort of track how much movement was on the bed and night and stuff. Oh, Jesus. So it, <laughs> there's been a, probably a lot of not, not so accurate <laughs> readings of that, like, but the, uh, the smartwatches can be, can be good. Like, but again, you probably just, you don't want to be getting, they can set up like basically a bit of an obsession where you're kind of, you're waking up feeling refreshed, but you look at your watch and like it tells you you had a bad night's sleep, and then all of a sudden you you, you just nearly think you have to be tired then or something like you know. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. The that's same with the sleep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can get very into the weeds, you know, the HRV and stuff like that, where you could be nearly, you know, seeing a, a bad HRV reading and, uh, you know, but feeling great and not going to training that day uh, just because you had a bad reading and stuff. So. Yeah. The subjective, the subjective feedback, I, I think, tends to be a wee bit better. Like, I just how you're feeling in general and how you felt you slept and like stuff like that. Um, but it's still useful to have the the information from the technology stuff as well. Like, yeah, it's a really good point. You know, you should take it for what it is as well yeah. and not dive too deep into it. Like, if you wake up after an eight-hour sleep, you probably got some good sleep there. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you better get an eight hours than you know eight hours in bed is better than six no matter yeah, what like you know, absolutely kind of- agreed cool so um right we'll move on to a more specific uh and i geez i just had mark Germain on and i've had i've had alan aragon on and all we did was talk the essentials of muscle game because connor right. i've worked with so many athletes have come into me even friends athletes like i'm eating everything i'm eating all the time 
I can't put on weight. I'm in the gym. I just think I don't put on weight. Like that's just me. I'm genetically predisposed to not putting on weight. And then you just look at their diet and you're like, all right, yeah. you're not eating enough. You're not eating nearly enough protein. You're not eating nearly enough calories, but just what are some things that you spotted that kind of they're roadblocks for people trying to put on mass, especially in season. And then what are just some your, like some of your non-negotiables for it? Yeah. I think like, as you mentioned, the biggest one is people saying that, you know, I, I, I eat so much and I don't gain weight. What they don't realize is like their version of eating so much is that on a Saturday evening, they had a large pizza and a pint of ice cream. Like they think because they're, you know, maybe their mom turns around and say, how do you eat all that? Yeah, You're not getting any weight like on a Saturday night. It's like, but they don't realize that the type of person who can't gain weight is the sort of person that uh, was running late, so they just skip lunch that day, or they just don't bother eating breakfast because they're not hungry, you know, uh, or they're just completely active all the time and doesn't don't stop moving. Yeah. So yeah, I think the biggest thing is like just because you you're someone who, who feels like you, you eat a lot doesn't necessarily mean you're actually eating a lot on a weekly basis you know on a daily average basis so the biggest thing there is getting some accuracy around that actually getting some numbers behind it how much actually are you eating and obviously by tracking that through something like my fitness pile for example and once you have that number then all you have to do is test it right if we increase that number by 400 calories a day for example and you're still not gaining weight right let's increase it again and increase it again there's no way you're going to get to 6,000 calories and not be gaining weight for most people. It's just so it's just a matter of like where in that range, you know, for some people they might be gaining weight at three thousand calories. Some people it might be four thousand. You know, okay. it just depends. Yeah. But there is there is a point for everyone where you're going to be gaining weight at a given uh, input of calories. So yeah, just getting the accuracy around it and increasing that. Um, obviously, then for that to be in the form of, of muscle gain, you're going to have to um, optimally pair it with some form of resistance training on a consistent basis which is going to give the body a stimulus to grow grow muscle as opposed to just storing it as body fat so yeah like if you're sitting wondering why you can't gain weight um it's likely just that you need to quantify how much you're actually eating on a daily basis and increasing that by a small amount uh and then increasing it again until you find a find a spot where you're gaining weight yeah yeah um a couple of people i've worked with now are students and they think that when people say to eat a lot it's add an extra bit of uh, pasta to their to their lunch and you dive in and you're like well you're you're actually sleeping until 11 and you you mentioned an example earlier it's like you're skipping breakfast that's an optimal opportunity for 800 to 1000 calories yeah um then you're just adding a bit of pasta to lunch you're not snacking because you're full from lunch and then you're having a dinner that your parents cooked you and it's yeah you know you know your family's dinner is like they're just small portions yeah it's like you're, you're literally not even fueling your maintenance. No. <laughs> so like, yeah. there's, it's no wonder you're not gaining weight. You, you're yeah. lucky to be, even be at the weight you are. And it might, <laughs> like, it might be the, as, well, as well as that, it's the case of like, you don't, you don't know, you don't have any context, only what you eat yourself really, because people eat in private. Like, you know, yeah. you could have someone who, who thinks they don't eat a lot and you think they don't eat a lot because you don't see them eating much, but they're easily putting away a thousand calories every day on, snacks sweets crisps and stuff like yeah. that and maybe you're not doing that because it's just not in your it's just not in your behavioral pattern like you just you're just not someone who snacks so by you by looking at your meals by looking at versus their meals you might think that you're not eating as much as that or that you're eating more than them or vice versa but you actually don't know that you know there's no there's no quantification there for sure and like i think i think as well just to go to go back on the on the calories thing that that's only one the tracking of the calories by the way is only one is only one method to increasing the calories i don't want to put across the impression that you have to be tracking just uh you have to be tracking in order to see that weight gain just making the point that getting that bit of accuracy can help a lot it could you could be implementing behavioral changes as you mentioned around uh, increasing the portion size whether that's an extra bit of pasta with your lunch plus an extra bit of potato with your dinner, plus finally getting your breakfast in place, you know, things like that. Um, yeah. yeah. So I just wanted to make that point because I know, especially I think, I think it seems like from looking at it, it seems like a common attitude 
is becoming a little bit around because the nutrition space and fitness space has become a little bit more educated around energy requirements and calories and macros and stuff like that. It's nearly becoming a dogmatic approach of uh, everything's about calories. Everything's about a calorie deficit and it's, it's nearly a marketable term now, but just because you need to be in a calorie deficit to lose body fat doesn't mean that you need to be necessarily counting calories yeah. uh, to do that. For most of the guys I work with, I do implement that at least for a period of time, but it's important just to point that out, I think, as well. So funny, you just came on that. You came to that organically because I just did a podcast with Brian O'Hengisa, um, right. and, he, and he, he, he described it brilliantly. He goes, it's like the nutrition space is like a pendulum, right? The pendulum swings with all the kind of like educated, actual evidence-based practitioners. And mm-hmm. finally, then all the cowboys come stampeding <laughs> over. And then the pendulum, do you know what I mean? So that's yeah. our, right now, it's like all about, it's just a calorie balance. It's just about a deficit or a surplus. Yeah. You know, you have to track calories and make sure. And you know, it's going to swing, yeah. swing the other way. It's going to swing the opposite way. Because the likes of, I'm going to... People are going to, or I'm going to point out that, and people like me are going to point out that you don't necessarily need to track. And then someone else is going to go, is inevitably swing the opposite way and go, right, so tracking calories is bad then. So we don't yeah. need to do it. Or we just, you know, so yeah, it's just a natural thing. I think it probably happens in all areas where that just, that pendulum, as you mentioned, is just, it's just extreme to extreme. And I, yeah, in the middle, like I think a good rule of thumb for someone who's not in, like, in the nutrition, like space where they're not studying it or they're not well read on it is if it's an extremist approach, you're being fed, stay away from it. You know what I mean? Because there's, there's been no extremist approach that has, that has been like consistently proven. It's, it's all about moderation and yeah. Anyway, we won't get into that, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of the guys I work with as well. Um, They'll, they'll come and they'll want, okay, so am I tracking? What exact ha- calories do you want me to hit? And I'm like, oh, hold on. You're going from eating two meals a day, you know, drinking every weekend, uh, eating a bunch of shit every weekend. Let's, let's, let's take a, a first step of three meals a day, a fist size of protein at each meal at least, you know, a good serving of carbohydrates. Make sure you're going to bed full, eating in and around training, and we'll, we'll see where you get. And most of them will start making improvements. They're like, oh, okay. And then it, it's like when people are doing that and they come back to you and they're like, I'm at the exact same weight. Okay, let's fucking, let's get you tracking for three or four days and we'll see where you're at and we can maybe look in and see what's going around. A hundred percent. Cause like even putting that approach into place where you're improving the quality of their diet and their habits and everything else, as you said, they're going to see progress and it might not be in terms of weight gain at that stage, but it'll be progress in terms of their energy feeling better. They'll see probably some body composition changes uh, and they'll also be set up in a way that they're going, right, I'm ready to, to sort of get a bit more accuracy there and then it's going to set them up for for a better um a better experience than going into to getting that bit more specific with the tracking so yeah definitely definitely a good point yeah yeah um cool so just on what you're saying there improving the quality fruits and vegetables this is one of the posts that you post that i absolutely love why are fruits and veg important for athletes so real quick a bit of background on this question people might be like patrick fucking hell you're struggling for content no <laughs> When we're looking at athletes, we're always talking about protein, grams, carbohydrates, this percentage yeah. of carbohydrates, blah, blah, blah. And we tend to kind of take a nutrient-first approach rather than a food-first approach. Mm-hmm. And then you all, you're, you're posting kind of this infographic of what are some benefits of fruit and veg for athletes. So maybe if you just kind of like skim over them a, a bit. Yeah. I'm actually going to, you know what, I'm going to have the post here very quickly because i know that i will do a better job of sort of having it when i have the points in front of me so and yeah, we'll link like, we'll link all this up as well your instagram yeah. it's it's at know yourself performance but yeah I'll, I'll have that all linked up yeah like and i think that, as you said it's that thing of i've maybe mentioned a little bit more there but um you know the, the the importance of of calories and the importance of macronutrients has been you know emphasized uh like a lot lately and that's completely understandable because of they are so important but Maybe within that we've probably lost a bit of the, uh, a bit of the the viewpoint of looking at just you know healthy foods and including the fruit, likes of fruits and vegetables. So, like a few of the reasons, obviously, is going to help with the digestion. Um, so you can actually, you know, if your digestion's better, you're going to be able to absorb the nutrients of the rest of the food that you're eating actually better. 
um, even if that's the likes of protein, um, you know, if you're if you're able to absorb the protein, then it's going to be more beneficial than if you're not. Um, obviously, uh, fruits and vegetables tend to contain a lot of water as well, um, especially like predominantly like all some fruits and vegetables more than others. Like I think like watermelon and stuff like that is like ninety plus percent water or something yeah, like that. Yeah, so it's like. Yeah you're having a good chunk of, of watermelon like that's the equivalent to like you know a glass of water or whatever so if you're including you know fruits and vegetables more in your diet you're going to get that little bit more hydration as well and along with that the other element of hydration with the likes of electrolytes and stuff like that is going to be yeah, as well uh you know the vitamins and minerals that are that are included within fruits and vegetables and anyone who studied you know, like the wide range of of vitamins and minerals that there are involved in the biological processes within the body and like you know if you're getting a wide range of fruits and vegetables then you're obviously going to be closer hitting to those and yeah i think probably people don't realize the amount of those vitamins that are involved in stuff like energy production and muscle contractions and and all those different biological processes that like you don't necessarily think of uh you know that are quite obviously related to athletic performance but you don't necessarily realize that what's involved in that in those athletic performances uh is vitamins and minerals um at a certain level um and then yeah i suppose another one i'd put down was to to include more flavors and textures within an otherwise maybe boring diet uh like if you're eating you know chicken and rice the whole time like it can get quite boring and even though you might think like i don't like necessarily i don't i don't really enjoy broccoli or i don't really enjoy whatever else whatever other vegetables you think of like you'll probably find something you enjoy there's hundreds of fruits yeah. and vegetables like um and if you can sort of play about with different cooking um cooking methods and uh, even just trying different things and i think it was like there was a thing with like what was it it was like a i think there was some like principle based on it or something but it was basically like olives there was a i know an old wife tale that if you eat if you, if you eat olives if you eat an olive 10 days in a row by the 10th day you like olives or something like that so it was like oh yeah yeah, yeah. building the acquired yeah yeah yeah. and then the 10th day you'll just go oh they're actually all right and then yeah, you'll yeah, just, yeah. You actually like olives so there's an element to that as well like it's like when you were a child you probably would have like turned your nose up at the taste of coffee or like uh alcohol even like can you imagine like as a child like sniffing like Jesus, alcoholic smell like you never have said, but over the years you developed <laughs> most people actually develop to like some form of alcohol or at least some form of coffee or something like that so yeah yeah it just shows the adaptability of, of your your taste buds and uh, your i suppose your, your mental approach to food like so yeah if you're someone who doesn't really like fruits and vegetables or so you think like just start, just give yourself a chance to eat them a few times and see if you actually develop it to the point where you're actually like oh they're actually not too bad i could eat them because the likelihood is if you keep going then you'll actually get to the point where you like them um so yeah i would definitely recommend a bit of experimentation there like for sure yeah love that love that uh and like the building the acquired taste for some people yeah. it's just they had it a few years back and it's that fear in, in some dish that it was maybe not cooked to the to their taste but try it try it some other way you know yeah. uh, look up some recipe i what i tell people is like spices are your best friend you know yeah. spice it up spice the dish up add some onions in uh yeah. you won't notice it it's not going to be like just onions you know they yeah, mix exactly. in and yeah yeah as well, as well as that like if there is i think if there is vegetables and fruit that you really like like include plenty of them like because there's fruits and veggies you probably do like but you just never think of cooking them yeah like for a lot of people like a lot of people like really enjoy you know like just frozen peas uh obviously cooked but like you would never necessarily think to put them in a dish but like why not every time you're making rice you're boiling rice why not just throw a few peas in at the end yeah yeah, yeah. better or like kidney beans or whatever it is um so i think yeah if, or if you really like bananas like why not have like, a couple of bananas every day yeah so, uh yeah i think you could be maximizing the fruits and vegetables that you actually do like and yeah. then starting to include some more like yeah it's good stuff yeah it's a good idea i fucking love frozen peas or yeah so, <laughs> yeah i always mix them in i put a bit of like a crack an egg over the rice and then peas yeah. in it it's like egg fried rice or peas it's nice. lovely um cool all right so last kind of like deep dive question 
if you can call it that, supplementation. So I threw this, I threw your name on the, on the story and said, I'm going to be having Connor on. And of course I got, I didn't get a huge amount of questions because I took it down because we rescheduled this, my fault. But um, did get a question on, and I've already mentioned, like I've had a creatine expert on the podcast, so I don't know, maybe the person didn't listen to it, but why is creatine important for, well, first actually, before I get to that, what are some supplements that you kind of like recommend or you're asked about for GA athletes? I thought you were gonna ask, I thought you were gonna ask why is creatine asked about so much because every time you put up every time you, i put up a q a it's just you know creating creating yeah yeah so it seems to be quite an in vogue in vogue supplement at the minute uh but it probably with good reason like it's you know create creating itself is the most probably the most researched supplement uh, sports supplement there is like and you know no sort of negative side effects associated with it but positives for most populations whether that's athletic or otherwise yeah um, but more generally in terms of supplements, uh, give the usual disclaimer that like supplements are a supplement to the diet. They're not necessarily going to make or break your progress, um, whether it's muscle gain, fat loss, performance, whatever. But with, uh, uh, you know, with a appropriate nutrition and training plan in place, supplements can, can add that few percent of uh, progress on top. Uh, but generally, like I, I take a very small list of supplements that, that I, that I would recommend to people uh, on the performance element of things. Creatine is going to be uh, a good one to have in most plans. And then if you want to go that little bit further on the performance end, stuff like beta alanine can help if you're really training at a really high level where there's a lot of sort of lactic uh, threshold sort of work. Um, citrulline malate is kind of in that, in that realm as well, but studies have been a little bit mixed on that. Um, I think it's one of one of those things that ha- it is it is good sort of good reasoning behind it, and it from a like a biological perspective seems to seems to have good sort of uh, reason for for it working, but uh, just studies have been a bit mixed on it, so I wouldn't necessarily have it as a priority. Um, have your way of protein, which is kind of not even. I know it, it is a supplement, but like you nearly treat it just as an ingredient, like um, in the sense that like just because it's powdered and just because it's, you know, in a, in a tub doesn't necessarily mean it's a supplement. Like you look at the likes of just uh, plain flour or, um, you know, something like that. You wouldn't, you would call that a supplement because you're not taking it on its own, but it's a powdered form of a different food. Uh, in the same way, whey protein would be a powdered form of the sort of waste products of cheese making as such. Um, so yeah, I would see, see it more as an ingredient that you're using to sort of hit your daily protein needs if you need that that added on to your diet and uh then on the just the health side like you're gonna have a few basics to plug in any potential deficiencies in your diet for a lot of people that might be fish oils so to get your omega-3s in mm. a lot of people wouldn't eat much oily fish uh, and by supplement with it supplementing with it you can get that essential nutrient um and on top of that vitamin d if you're not getting much sunlight can be beneficial Outside of that, maybe a multivitamin if you're if you're not including a lot of uh, different types of healthy foods within your diet. And even if you are, maybe it wouldn't be a bad thing for a bit of insurance policy. But outside of that, probably not much to mention for uh, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, pretty much the same list. Um, yeah, and so you answer my question: just what's the evidence behind creatine? Why is it helpful in uh, yeah. GA specifically? One, one, like, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously, you probably, the guys you were talking to previously probably went into the the sort of um, sort of physiology of it and different things like that. But a useful way of sort of thinking about it for me was someone sort of broke it down to me before, kind of like, you know, you have their, your, anaer- your aerobic system, your anaerobic system, and then your, you have a third system that people don't generally consider, which is the creatine phosphate system or the phosphocreatine system with different terms on it. But generally, you know, that uh, aerobic range predominantly fueled by some, some like fats and carbohydrates. Uh, the anaerobic would be dominantly sort of be carbohydrate based and, and they all overlap to a certain degree. But then that yeah. third, that, that uh, creating phosphates system would be more of the short, sharp, intense stuff. And that's what's sort of fueling that process. Uh, yeah. and, and, you know, it's involved in the energy creation system in those quicker but less sustainable bursts. Um, and I think having that bit of a breakdown was useful for, for me when I was first trying to understand it. Uh, so, for you know, if people have that understanding of it, they can sort of see, well, 
protein or sorry creatine can be useful for improving those short sharp bursts and um, yeah, yeah. involved like sprinting jumping you know quite heavily involved in ga sort of stuff yeah that's definitely the the main one um what i like to, to include there is like size you know it's it's shown mm. to increase your your yep. your muscle or the appearance of your muscle mass yep. like that you know what i mean like yep. a couple of weeks of creatine supplementation yep. and you'll actually be visibly bigger see it yeah yeah so and it has the it has that effect on obviously the muscle size but also the fact that you might get an extra couple of reps in each yeah. set you know, and that's, that's down to that maximal volume. that maximal exertion yeah. right yeah 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 so it's all those benefits like so it's pretty much a no-brainer if you're if you've ever else sort of sorted like it's a no-brainer to just get get a couple of grams in every day yeah 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 absolutely good stuff cool so that's probably up on about 40 minutes uh, i like to keep them just well, it's, yeah, it's about 40 minutes. So I just keep them kind of quick hitting. People stay interested. Um, one last question before I get you to kind of like let us know where we can find you. This might be putting you on the spot, but I keep forgetting to put it in the, the email. Do you have a quote that you kind of like to... So I don't know if you listen to Sigma Nutrition with Danny. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. I've tried to rip off his little ending about like what's one tip you give people. I'm just doing like a quote that you like to... You know, maybe it might be on your wall or something you like to live yeah. by. If it's on the spot, don't worry, I can cut this out. But if you have no, one, uh, I, I definitely have a few that like I would sort of return to. Like, but I suppose there's an overarching one that sort of covers all bases. Uh, I think, uh, which is now let me just get it right. Uh, it's uh, I think it's uh, my Angelo, and it was do uh, yeah, do your best until you know better, and when you know better, do better. So. It was just, uh, just sort of, it, it works in every situation, you know, uh, especially in like times where you're like, well, what, you know, and a lot of people probably struggle with this is like, I, I find a lot of guys in their early twenties definitely struggle with it, which is like, what should I do with my life? Like, like, what am I going to do next? Like, where should my career be going? Like, you know, all these different things. And like, you're never going to have the perfect plan. So in the absence of the perfect plan, just pick something that you do your best like do whatever it is whatever the best plan is you have at your hand yeah. do it and then when you know better just you'd be able to do better so yeah. kind of i don't know if it's a quote to live by necessarily but it's something that i think is very useful and uh yeah we'll try to keep in mind that's a great one that's a great one i actually haven't heard that one i love that yeah good stuff cool so tell us where we can find you and anything any kind of like programs or anything you're doing at the moment um, any intakes or anything like that. And I can link them all in the episode, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll just search for know yourself performance, wherever, wherever you usually, um, wherever you usually hang out on the internet. Uh, Instagram's probably the most, where the most active. That'd be my sort of hub where I would post content and sort of the other content goes to other platforms from there. So Instagram, know yourself performance, probably the best place. Um, if you want to get involved in any of the of the programs, the online coaching and stuff, you can head to knowyourselfperformance.com or just give me a message on Instagram. Uh, and yeah, we'll see, where, see what I can do from there. Cool. And you also have your own podcast, right? Yeah. So I've recently, I, I did a podcast about, about two years ago. I'd done one, maybe three years ago. I'd set up one that I'd called the Gaelic Athlete Podcast. And I basically just recorded like 15 episodes of that and just let it sit there and, and work away it wasn't something that was regularly updating but recently i've started then posting new articles that i've been writing and basically just recording those and putting them as a podcast um haven't been publicizing it as much recently because i'm just sort of trying to get it up and going and to say basically uh i think that it's going to work into more of a thing where i'm just recording uh, articles that I'm writing on various mm. topics, whether that be nutrition training or more recently, sort of more psychology and philosophy type stuff. Uh, I'm studying a master's in psychology at the minute, so ah, okay. I'm I'm starting to I'll be starting to sort of bring in more of that stuff to to the to the um, to the business as such, and down the line working more in psychology, I think as well. Um, but in the meantime, what I've sort of been doing is is writing articles and that on on sort of things that I've been learning along the way um that are sort of related to people that i generally tend to be working with in the nutrition and training uh, space anyway mm. uh, and i think probably the podcast will sort of go towards a, a bit more interview based as well i'm actually thinking of i don't know maybe what you think of this idea but i was thinking of doing um a podcast where basically we basically base the episode around a book that 
uh, I've read and that the other person has read. And basically the, the conversation comes as, as a, um, as a result of the book we're sort of reading. So, oh yeah, books, that's a great idea. Like, uh, it, you know, the book's only a step, stepping stone for whatever conversation we get into. So yeah, kind of, kind of like the idea of that. So that and I'll tell you, that's a great idea because a lot of people, me included, I have a pile of books over there. I usually read the first few chapters and I want to read another one. Yeah. People, people love spark notes or like, do you know what yeah. I mean? They love this, the quick summaries. Yeah. So that, I think people have listened to that. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Cause I, I've done a, I've been doing a few, just, I would sort of write up my notes from books and stuff and I've put them up as a separate part in the website as well. So uh, I think that ties in quite nicely with, with bringing it to the podcast as well. So for sure. Who's watch this for, for that coming soon. So what's that? Is that still the GA athlete or is it Know Yourself Performance? So now it's uh, the Know Yourself Performance podcast. Okay, okay cool. So I'll link that as well. Um, perfect. That's it, bud. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. It was a great chat. Very welcome. There you have it. Connor O'Neill of Know Yourself Performance. And of course, as always, I'll have all Connor's details and places you can find them linked up in the show notes, which don't exist. I'll actually have them in the bio of this episode. Still working on the show notes. Anyway, Connor and his brand gets my 100% stamp of approval. Not that you give a flying fuck about that. But yeah, an excellent service if you are an individual athlete looking to improve your body composition in the direction of weight loss or weight gain. Just one last plug. Evan Lynch and myself have just recently launched our free Facebook community within Research Bites, which is basically, it's an information educational platform where we provide bite-sized chunks of nutrition information to athletes, coaches, students, and just interested individuals. We have an abundance of articles in there already. And if you join the Facebook community, you'll have access to a bunch of free resources. Okay, so make sure you get onto that. It's called Research Bites. Just go to the link in my bio to sign up to that. That is all for me today. Hope you guys all have a fantastic week. 